you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. In your opinion, what is one of the most difficult phrases to admit to, in your opinion? Outside of, and I'm going to take it off your your list right now, outside of saying to someone else, I'm sorry. In your opinion, what is a phrase that's a little difficult to admit outside of saying to someone else, I'm sorry? Give up? Okay. Um, what about admitting to someone else, I'm afraid? Like, does that do a little something to your inner gangster? Like, do you feel like, Mm-mm, I'll say everything else in the world. I'll say I'm nervous. I'll say I'm excited. I'll say I'm nerf skited. Okay. I'll say, um, you know, it feels different. I'll say, but what I'm not getting ready to try to admit is that the grandbaby that knows that God did not give you a power of timidity, fear, he gave you, but love, power, and a sound mind. Like, listen, she's a Bible bread grandbaby. You understand? That's the last thing I'm getting ready to admit. But, um, is that something that you find difficult to say to other people? Because it brings on a little bit of a slather of an embarrassment. Does it bring on a sense of, man, I don't want people not to see, you know, that I'm strong. Because we live in a culture that strength looks like, listen, you dominate, you conquer, you eat all the above. You see what I'm saying? But when you have to admit to someone else that you're afraid, does it make you look weak? Do you fear being looked upon as weak? Does it look like, oh, I thought you had it all together. Oh, I thought you was a faith believing. Oh, I thought that you were, you know, whatever it is that will generate uh, something that looks like powerful. Admitting that I'm afraid, does that dilute that? In someone else's eyes for you or for you personally? What if the person, like, think the, think of the person that you look at as that's a f- faith-believing person. That person is strong. That person is, like, dominant. Like, man, I just wish I could aspire to that level of emotional strength, physical, whatever it is. Physical strength, whatever. E or the above, right? Think of that person in your head. Now, if that person came back to you on a particular circumstance and was like, can I admit something to you in confidence? And you were like, yeah, sure, what's up? They was like, yo, um, I'm afraid. Would you look at them different? Honestly, would that be like, you? Stop playing. You're afraid of what? Man, I've seen you do A, B, and C, but would you walk away from that conversation feeling like, mm, not kind of, you, you looked up to them prior to that, but do you now look like, Maybe they're on your same level or something less than better than that, because that's just people to people. Right. Um, Are you afraid to admit to God that you're afraid? Is that something that you feel like "Mm -mm, I can't tell God I'm afraid? Um, But doesn't the Bible says that he knows all right and that he knows the thoughts before you even say it? Like I thought back, I was like, man, I wish um, I wish Jonah just would have admitted, bro, I'm not going to Niv. Okay, uh, because I'm afraid. I ain't going to hold you. I'm not doing it. So instead of running and having this great fish uh, swallow me up for a little bit, uh, I should have just came to you and was like, can I say something to you? Uh, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you. Uh, I-, I wonder what that running from God thing that we seem to do, uh, if that would have been, you know, erased, shortened. I wonder if uh, instead of hiding first, 
you know, after they ate the fruit that when God was like, Adam, you're, where you at? I wish Adam would have been like, um, I'm afraid. I mean, he did kind of get there. He was like, oh, we hid uh, because we were naked and we were afraid that you was going to see out, you know, kibbles and bits, sir. <laughs> what you want me to say? He was like, who told you you got kibbles and bits? Oh, we, um, bro, did you, did you eat from, you ate from the tree, didn't you? No, that's definitely what y'all did. But I wish he would have just got to the point real quick where he was like, um, hey, God, I'm afraid. Um, so, and, and then maybe hid after that. But you, in your own being, like be have a humble assessment of yourself, right? Be a good grandbaby. How free are you to admit to God that you're afraid? Do you feel free in doing that? Or do you feel like you need to wear a veil and a mask spiritually uh, when you're having a conversation or when you're communion with your dad? Like, you do understand that transparency is probably the highest form of relating. And that when you come to God, that's why he says, come to me like a child. Because um, children don't care if they got boogers in their nose. <laughs> it's not on the side of their cheek from, you know, the backhand swipe. Uh, breath smells like, when's the last time you dis anything to your tongue? Huh? At all. Um, what is that in your eye? They don't care. Hair looking like first day of school. <laughs> rough housing. You know, they come to you like, listen, this is me, eat all the above. And I very much want to be in your face. And I very much want to hug and a kiss. Like, thanks. They don't care, right? Because the relationship means more to them than how they appear. Yeah, we can learn a lot from children. And so I had a very humbling moment. I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm going to give it to you in real time. I received an email on Friday that I have an important <laughs> meeting coming up uh, this coming Friday. When I tell you that nerves was kicking in so bad, I'm going to go ahead and give you some TMI real quick. I've been constipated ever since. Like, nope, I, I didn't want to say it, but real talk. Like, when I say it bound me real quick, like, ooh, about what? And it's about... Uh, me getting an increase financially, uh, potentially. Uh, it's about me pretty much advocating for the value that I know that I bring to a certain uh, arena of my life. And I decided to step out the boat. Listen, if I'm, if I'm going to keep having these conversations with you, I tell you, listen, have a wow experience, the acronym for walk on water, then I dare not be the 11th disciple while you go out there and I'm like, you be good now. <laughs> you and Jesus, oh, y'all crib walking? Cool. No, I'm going to stay over here. I can't swim. Like, I dare not do that, right? Because that would be a hypocrite. And who got time to be a Pharisee? Not she. So I did exactly what we've been talking about. And I stepped out the boat. And I'm very much walking where I feel like Jesus wants me to walk. And the response was, cool, let's have a meeting with some other uh, decision makers, okay, great. Uh, and let's just, you know, the four of us have this particular meeting on Friday uh, at 2 p.m. When I tell you, even describing this to you right now, my heart is on little thumper mode. You know, I'm talking about drumline. I'm talking about cannon in these streets. Do you understand me talking to you? Okay, let me calm down. Please don't get me hype. I'm hype. Okay, listen, stop, because Beyonce just came over me. Listen, when I say nervous 
when I say low key excited, when I say don't even know how to really go ahead and, and put it into words, when I really came down from all the emotions, the E or the above, I started asking a whole bunch of questions. I felt my, my heart rate doing something a little bit different. It, I started sweating a little bit and, you know, my deodorant was like, um, because <clears throat> you didn't put on an extra swipe. So what you doing? Right. I was like, OK, calm down. Um, And I had to ask myself, where is these where are the emotions coming from? I said, bro, I feel ill prepared. Like, I don't know what I should bring. I don't know what I should say. I don't know what I should do. I don't know, you know, because because it really feels like, bro, it's the fourth quarter. Like we down by um, we down by four. OK, it's about two minutes on the clock I've been practicing my jumper but like I'm looking in the stands and everybody's standing up <sighs> I mean I don't feel like I got home court advantage I just I'm very like the the, the championship is dependent on me sir <laughs> ma'am like do you understand what I'm trying to say like that's the level like can I watch I don't know but also you have to watch because you in the game like oh double whammy so when I calmed all the way down and realized I was asking more questions than I usually ask, I was feeling a little bit more nervous than what I usually feel. I, I ain't have an appetite at lunch like I usually have. It was like, what's up? I finally came back home and I said, God, can I talk to you? Like real talk, and it's making me even emotional now. I was like, I'm scared. Like I'm afraid. And I don't know if that's even something that I'm comfortable in admitting. And so I had to literally sit with my dad as as unveiled as I could and as uncomfortable that made me feel, I just had to admit it. Thank you for the opportunity, God. Thank you for the just knowing that me advocating led to something because I think sometimes we get so used to complaining on something not changing and something not happening and someone not valuing you and someone not seeing, you know, the the picture that you're trying to paint. And you get you get so frustrated when they don't see the colors and it's way more vibrant than what you're describing. You're describing earth tones. These are you don't see how this is just brights and, you know, just Pascals and you're doing all these other different things. You're like, you don't see the value that I'm adding. You don't see, and you get so sometimes so trapped in that cycle that when it actually looks like it's getting ready to get broken, you're like, whoa. Oh, um, you, you ever went on a streak of bad dates? <laughs> went on a streak of dating the wrong people? <laughs> Being around the wrong person for so long? That when some of the right people started coming along, it, it, you, you started getting suspicious. Like, what? You going to pay for the whole meal? Hmm. Let's see how long this did. Oh, you called me back when you said you was going to call me back. Huh. Wait a minute. <laughs> Bro, you seem like you may be really emotionally available. Like, what's up? What's all the, like, I don't know. And then secretly you start looking for something. Like, tell me, let me. Hmm, I bet he talked to a whole bunch of people. Yeah, shorty is bad. I don't, she ain't gonna fool me. I listen. She ain't gonna have me looking like, looking like no simp. I already know what it is. Like, stop playing with me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm one of how many? Like, let's just keep it real. Like, oh, I'm the only one, huh? Interesting. You ever um heard a deal too good to be true? And you're like, nah, y'all not giving away houses for that. Y'all not giving away cars for that. Like, mm, I don't really 
or you met a friend that was really, really like that really like, bro, I really want to see you win. And you like, but I haven't even known you that long. And people that I know from like super duper back home, like they not even, they not even checking up on me and making sure that I'm good and being that iron, that sharpness iron the way that you are. Like, how is it that I've only known you like mm, on my hand, like one or two years <laughs> and people that I got decades with, like they not even, I got family members that don't even rock hard with me the way that you do. Mm, something's weird. Let me give this some space. You ever felt that? You ever felt like uh someone who truly just wanted to see you win? You were like, mm, yeah, but for how long? Because I don't really. And it's because you have gotten so used to that cycle of being drained, of being not heard, of being not seen, that when someone finally knocks on the door of that and tries to let you out, you're like, mm, but what's out there? <laughs> and it's like, come on out and find out, right? Like, that's the only way to do that. And so when I had that unveiling moment with God and was like, can I just say something to you? Because to me, it doesn't make any sense to commune with God, but I'm covered. Mm. I don't want him to cover me if he has the potential to heal what's bothering me. You see what I'm saying? And so I just, I unveiled, said I'm scared. He was like, why? I said, because I don't want to be disappointed. I kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of, I'm a sensitive thug in a spirit. I ain't going to hold you. And I don't like the way that disappointment feels. He was like, I understand. Um, but people are going to disappoint you all the time. I won't. So as long as you are anchoring your emotions in something that's stable, which is me, I'm always going to make sure you're afloat. But the one time or any time that you anchor your emotions and the decisions or the outcomes of anything in this world, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be crushed, as a matter of fact. So if you're trying to avoid the emotional damage that comes from the outcomes and the decisions of other people, then do not anchor your emotions in that. It's very simple. I was like, okay. So I started feeling a little bit better. Like, okay, God, um, I get it. And he was like, um, can I tell you something? I was like, yes. He was like, you're not the only one that's ever been afraid. <laughs> you're just one of the ones that are, you're brave enough to admit it. And I was like, really, God? He was like, absolutely. Um, I want you to read about Moses. I was like, I know exactly what you get right. You get ready to bring up the burning bush. He was like, you know me well. I said, who don't? Because <laughs> you my daddy. <laughs> okay, stop playing with me. Um, Exodus 3. Mm -hmm. The NOT version. You remember that time that God burned up the uh, bush, but it wasn't, it was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And it literally amazed the crap out of Moses. Yeah, I didn't want to say crap, but um, that's what came out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, God will deal with me. Um, I want to read that. Exodus 3, you know, I read an NOT version. Verse 3. It says, uh, matter of fact, let's go up to 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Three, this is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. <laughs> Four, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. 
Here I am, Moses replied. Five, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Six, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Oh, that's the first first sign of fear, right? And so then God, God made, you know, went ahead and told him to do some stuff. Um, I'm going to skip down to nine. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Ten. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Pause. I'm getting ready to read to you every time that Moses uh, covered what he was really trying to say. So we already just read that um, when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God, right? So let's look at the rest of the ways that Moses covered what it actually was. He tried to cover his fear. So, 11. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And then here comes the reassurance of God. 12. God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And then here comes fear. 13. But Moses protested. What if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And here comes the reassurance of God. 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name to remember for all generations. So God then gave him some instructions and told him what to do next and all the next things. So the very next chapter, Exodus 4, here comes fear again. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? <laughs> and here comes God too. Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. So then God went ahead, paused. God went ahead and did all these miracles. And then here comes Moses again, verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it I, the Lord? 12. Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. 13. Here come Moses again. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. 14. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother? Aaron the Levite. I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. 15, talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. 
16, Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. 17, and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miracles, the miraculous signs I have shown you. Pause. Notice that God was like, I'm not getting ready to um, change my mind because you're afraid, right? But what I will do is I will give you the covering that you feel like you need to uh, conduct what I asked you to do. So while I just had this very lengthy conversation with you, the last thing I'm getting ready to do is go ahead and pour into a vessel that I didn't intend on pouring into. So everything that I told you, you tell Aaron. I'm not telling Aaron nothing. You go ahead and tell Aaron. I'll tell Aaron. uh, I'll speak for the both of y'all, but you tell him what I just finished telling you. And the beauty of that is real talk. I don't even know why Aaron is not in the Hebrews, uh, you know, wall of faith in Hebrews 11. Because how did Moses have such a in-depth, up-close experience with God, knew that that was God speaking to him, had the miracles, put down your staff, pick it back up. It's a snake. It's a serpent. It's not. Put it back down. Pick it up. Put your hand in your cloak. Okay, your hand is white. Put it back in your cloak. Okay, now it's not. And have all that and still couldn't believe. But yet Moses was giving him secondhand information. And was like, God said that we should do A, B, and C, and this is what he said we should do. And Aaron was like, cool, what time are we leaving? That's amazing. It's always, it, it always shocks me that uh, the people who are closest to God are the people who are um, sometimes the most disobedient. And it takes for somebody who was just coming around the mountain when God was talking. He was coming around the mountain when God was talking. Was just like, yeah, Aaron, come here real quick. So God said that we should go. And he's like, cool. It's that easy for you to believe? Mm-hmm. Bro, why he just didn't choose you? <laughs> Honestly, like, he had to pull Moses' teeth, like, low-key. Buddy was like, uh, I'm going to give you all the reasons why I'm not I'm not your guy, bro. <laughs> I, I know. Listen, honestly, I... I I was just coming here to see the bush. I ain't going to hold you. I, I saw it in golf. It wasn't burning. It, it blew my mind. I kind of, I thought it was my vision. I ain't going to hold you. I was going to go to Lincrafters right after this to see maybe if it was, you know, glaucoma. I don't know. But um, honestly, it was the mannequin. I came in the store. I don't have enough money, so I'm not going to hold y'all up. I'm going to go back to my car. Like, that's what he tried to do. God was like, very much the person that I called. Very much you can do this. Very much I'm going with you. And, like, let's go. And he was like, Okay, so all the excuses I gave you didn't work. So, God, I'm going to just tell you, please send anybody else. <laughs> like, I'm going to just go ahead and just be 100 with you. But I wish that he would have just said, um, God, can I say something? Like, save all the dramatics. Just say, uh, bro, I'm scared. And let me tell you why I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid because um, I killed an Egyptian. Uh, yeah, because my Hebrew brothers, like, they was, I ain't like that. And then um, they found out. And then once they found out, they told Pharaoh. And then once Pharaoh found out, then he was like, yo, when I get my hands on Moses. And so I got afraid. And I ran a Midian. I ain't going to hold you. So I've been out here for, like, 40 years. Mm-hmm, 40, 10, 20, carry the one. Yeah, I've been out here for 40 years. And just going back to my past is scary to me because I have not faced that. And so you're not only asking me to rescue people. You're asking me to go back to the very place that I haven't healed from isn't that something God usually does <laughs> yeah you think you're getting in a new relationship oh this is much better than it ever has 
But what's really happening is that the past uh, is oozing out of you and your actions and the things that you say and your perspectives. And now what you're realizing is that in this new relationship, what you're going to have to do is heal the former broken you. You had no idea when you were single. You had no idea when you was just out, you know, partying with the homies. But as soon as you get in this new relationship, you're like, yo, I got, I got some stuff from my childhood I need to patch up. I got some stuff from that other situation that wasn't in years ago that I got to patch up. There's some stuff. Listen, you're not alone. Moses had to do the same thing. But he was in Midian for 40 years. You would think after four decades, like, you good. Listen, you I can spell Egypt front and back, and I don't feel nothing. God asked that boy to go. He was like, oh, what they go? They gonna say? They gonna ain't gonna believe me? Uh, he got dizzy in the eyes. <laughs> he was f f afraid. Okay, his knees became spaghetti. Okay, no ragu sauce, and it was very much like, bro, you still afraid? Very much. You ever had a situation where you like, um, yeah, I I thought I was ready. I thought I was prepared, but now that you asking me to sit in this particular seat now that you you actually are getting to the place where you're getting ready to elevate me and you get you getting ready to uh do some stuff with me that it's like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm thinking I'm moving forward and it's like oh I got some stuff on my credit I need to go ahead and take care of from the past there yet whenever God is asking you to move forward in something he's always going to make sure that there are no loose ends in your soul in your past in the back of your mind, the thing that you're trying to bury. Like God is not going to let you build on a house and he know that your foundation is corrupt. He's not going to let you do that because he builds houses that stands. He builds people who are able to withstand certain things. There are. Why do you think that before Joseph could absolutely serve in full capacity when he got elevated to be the second in command, why do you think that that was just at the moment that God brought his brothers to him and that it was unveiled like, yeah, these are your brothers, the one that sold you into slavery? Like God needed to know, I don't want you being second in command. And if one of your brothers came to you, you will be crippled in, in your in your authority, in your leadership role. There are some things that you think like, now nah, I'm good, I'm over that until you got to face it. Until God, like, really brings it across your mind or brings it across your path. And then you're like, ooh, really? Yeah. He's going to make you tie up loose ends so that there's nothing broken, nothing fixed, nothing lacking, nothing missing. He, he values completion. Even in your soul. Your emotions, your mental, your physical. So please do not think that a quick move to Midian, that a quick relationship adjustment real quick, that that's just going to fix everything, E or the above, and there's nothing, mm -mm, no, I'm past that. No, just because you outlived it doesn't mean that you're healed from it. Because Moses only spent like what, uh, I think teenage, maybe 20 years or so in Egypt, went ahead and uh, went to Midian and was there for 40 you would think, oh, buddy outlived that. Mm-mm. He didn't live past it. That's different. And I love that God, even when we don't say anything, even when we're not even aware of our own feelings, God knows exactly what it is. So the very next verse in Exodus 4, verse 18, after he was like, yo, go ahead and talk, talk to Aaron real quick and tell him what to do, this, that, and the third. Verse 18 says, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. 
Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses says. I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. 19. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. Yo, I can I can cry right there. God knew. I want you to hear that. God knew. He knows. He knows what the very thing is that is crippling you and you don't even have words to say it yet. He knows the very thing that is holding your heart hostage and you don't even have the intellect or the emotional quotancy to be able to, to articulate it. He knows the thing that is seizing you and you don't even know how to break free from it. And it's like, you know what? Right before this baby goes, right before you go ahead and, and walk in obedience, let me go ahead and reassure you once again, everything that was out to get you since birth, Moses, in the name of Jesus, everything that was sent to get you, Pharaoh has something out before you even was born. It was like, if this baby is a boy, throw it in the Nile River immediately. Everything that was out to get you, I want you to have the reassurance that they're dead. It's no longer. You, you will not have to experience that again. It's over. So that when you are walking out in obedience, when you are walking out the very thing that God asked you to walk out, the last thing he wants you to do is walk that out in fear. It is done. It is done. He knows. God knows. Do you understand that? The very next verse says, so Moses took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Bruh, you know what that went ahead and did? Reminded me of Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what God told me to go to. He said, I, you, you remembered this verse from a little child, but I wanted you to carry it in your heart and come to me as a child. Moses carried a staff, right? Let's go to Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I know the King James one, but I'm going to go ahead and read it in the NLG. Nope, you know what? Let me go back to my King James rules because what you're not going to do is try me because I see you in your face. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You understand? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then here go my here go my jam. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. What did Moses carry? The staff. <laughs> Let me read it again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Five, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God reminded me, he said, I want you to understand something. I want you to read psalm 23 again and i want you to see and separate what you have to do versus what i have to do i said okay he said the lord is my shepherd i shall not want mm -hmm. he makes me lie down in green pastures okay that's you he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul that's still God. God, that's all you. You got to lead me. You got to restore me. Cool. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, which pretty much means that you're leading me in a way that adds honor and value to you. Like 
if I end up somewhere, somebody's like, who told you to come here? And I'm like, oh my God. And it looks like it's the wrong way. That doesn't bring glory to your name. Okay. Four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. He was like, who, whose part is that? I was like, mine. He was like, why do you, how do you see that? I said, because um, in order for you to lead me and comfort me and guide me, I have to be willing to walk. He was like, right, what's the next verse? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God literally said, all I need you to do is be present. Walk through the thing that is scary. The only thing I'm asking you to be present. I have to make sure that I lead you, that I restore you, that I know exactly how to comfort you. And then when you walk through the thing that is scary to your emotions, but you understand that I'm with you, you have to understand that I then have to uh, prepare a table in front of your enemies. That's a big deal. That's all God. That's not you. He didn't say, make sure that you um, know exactly who your enemies are. Make sure that they're present. No, because you got it. When I do this thing, I need you to make sure the right people are there. Mm-mm. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Don't be afraid to sit at that meeting. Don't be afraid to go ahead and advocate for yourself. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe to be right. The, I know that you're afraid, but that look at that like the table that God is um, presenting in the face of your enemies. And then thou anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. God knows has to know exactly how much oil to bring, exactly how much favor to put over you, exactly what is needed, not only for it to be just enough to fill you, but enough for it to be running over. That means that if it's in front of your enemies, that if it's running over, then that means your enemies have to watch you be blessed. That means that it's something about you that as you're sitting there, they look at you and you start transforming differently because how you walked into this meeting is not how you're leaving there is something glowing on you there is something that is enriched in you it's almost like you're saturated is it favor what is that and you have to admit that it is actually the cup that is running over because the lord anointed me while i sat here he didn't anoint me when i was out there he didn't anoint me while he was telling me and leading me and restoring me but as i sat here my presence it was was my yes and my amen to god and so he took my yes he took my amen and he anointed it and you had to be the witness to that and that is why the last statement of psalm 23 is surely (laughs) surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever so when i admitted to god but i'm afraid he told me everybody was or has been at some point in their life but if you know that i am there if you know that thy rod and thy staff they comfort me I need you to visualize that I'm there. And when you sit at that table, just know that at that moment, that's when I anoint you and your cup will runneth over. (sighs) Do you understand? Do you feel that? Like, did you? And I wanted to take that moment just to say a lot. Like, did you really? Like, I need you to seriously. Listen, my challenge to you is I am almost, I'm going to go ahead and on a leap of faith, just go ahead and say, I'm almost certain that there is something that you want to do, something that God impressed upon in your heart, something that you've been kind of mulling around in your mind. And you're like, mm, I don't really know, but what you're really not admitting is, um, but I'm afraid. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, this conversation takes root and it bursts fruit 
uncontrollable fruit that multiplies and multiplies and multiplies to the point that you can't sit still in your fear anymore. I need you to go ahead and say and admit it and say, God, I'm going to be honest, but I'm afraid. But then I need you to remember Psalm 23. And I need you to go ahead and rebuke anything that looks like it's Moses. But God, but God, but God, two, two chapters. Like, come on, bro. Like, at this point, what are we doing? And I need you to remember the moment of anointing happens when you sit in the center of the thing you was afraid of. Mm. Holy Spirit, you be doing your thug dizzle through me. I ain't going to hold you because most of this I wasn't even going to say, but I'm not going to spoil the moment. But do you understand what your challenge is? I really need you to hone in on fear is just a counterfeit of faith. That everything in the kingdom of darkness is just a carbon copy, something that's trying to conflict with God. And so if faith is of God and it's the thing that's supposed to propel you, make you walk around like you are untouchable and you're a conqueror and you're, you know, you got dominion and all these other things, you're victorious and all of that, then fear is the counterfeit to hold you, to stay almost like paralyze you, to keep you stagnant. And so when you look at fear, as a counterfeit to faith, you can start to say, um, but I have a remedy for that. And it's in Psalm 23. I'm going to go ahead and take um, thy rod and thy staff because they comfort me. Mm. Yo, go back and read Psalm 23 and whatever version that makes you feel like you connect to it on a different level, whether it's King James, NLT. But I want you to go back and really read that. Sink your teeth into it and look at it from the perspective of I can feel afraid, but I could dismantle fear as God is walking me to the thing that's going to propel my future. Do you understand how powerful that is? Like, no, seriously, do you understand how powerful that is? That you can look at fear and low-key choke it and say, this is the last time that you choke me. Yeah, I didn't realize that fear didn't have hands. That fear was just a silhouette that literally is empty. It's the monster, but when you really turn on the light, it's the tree silhouette that's outside. Like, let's start turning the light on on fear now. Like, yeah, you were tapping the window. I was afraid as a little kid, but now I'm big enough to touch the light by myself and I can see right through you. I can see what it is. And what it is is you are a counterfeit and a carbon copy to God. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is um, the same power that raised uh, Jesus from the grave, I'm going to go ahead and use that on you and I'm going to choke you. And the remedy for that is um, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You don't control my emotions. God already gave me a remedy for that. Do you understand that? Okay, good. Listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm, I sure did. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that who but your favorite homegirl going to have with you. I'm going to sp spill my tea, you drink it, and then you get fruitful and multiply. Like, who do that? Me. Mm -hmm. Very much. You understand? Listen. I'm so excited for what's going to happen. I don't know if I want to give you an update on when Friday comes. I'm probably going to have to because the way that you're going to be texting me, I'm like, listen, it's Thursday. Like, stop. You understand? Um, I may update you. Like, listen, that's between you and the Lord. Let me go ahead and see if God wants me to stay at my business. Thanks because you're in my business and I don't like that. But I'm going to go ahead and talk to you later, okay? I'm going to let you let me go. Mm -hmm. All right. Later.